0: Welcome back to the Oklahoma Sooners podcast. Eric Bailey alongside Eli Letterman as we get ready for week five of Oklahoma's football season. Coming off a loss for the first time in the Brent Venables era, it's been just a strange week and uh, it, it's really been interesting the week. Uh, we've learned a lot this week, Eli, about how they're going to handle losses.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I think I wrote it in my story yesterday, this might be the most significant setback for the Sooners since uh, Lincoln Riley bolted, I think. I I mean that's that speaks really to how well the last eight nine months have gone, but also to just I think how stunning this loss was. I mean the high that that, that this program this team came off of after Nebraska and all the national attention they got, uh, and then you open Big Twelve play with a team that's been a consistent thorn on their side, um, and Kansas State comes in and does Kansas State things with with Adrian Martinez of all people, uh, and here we are now in a week that I, I think just about everybody in Norman down to the coaching staff and players were a bit stunned. And now they're, as, as we talked about off camera, you know, stripping down the studs like Brett Vettel likes to talk about and, and trying to pull it back together for TCU.
0: How'd you like to be a Nebraska fan, man? A week after seeing OU come into your house and kind of dominate you to see Adrian Martinez, the former quarterback, come and do what they did to Oklahoma. Nebraska fans, I mean, it, it they were off last week. They probably felt just as miserable. Adrian Martinez looked really good and, and it really brought out a lot of things that Oklahoma is really going to
1: fix defensively. Yeah, it was maybe a missed opportunity. We should have told those Nebraska fans when we were up in Lincoln <laughs> on Adrian Martinez because I'm certain the answers they would have had about him would not have reflected the quarterback that we then saw because he did it all. I mean, he won that game. I think, you know, we'll get to Dylan Gabriel versus Adrian Martinez or how, how things went on Saturday. But in a game where, you know, it was there to be taken, one quarterback really went and grabbed that game, and and it was it was Adrian Martinez with a performance that I think stunned us all.
0: You know, it really surprised me just because of how well the defense has been playing all season. They hadn't allowed more than 14 points in a game, albeit the competition wasn't quite the caliber of Big 12 competition. They really looked good in those first three weeks. I think that's what surprised me the most. And the lack of tackles for loss. Oklahoma only had four tackles for loss. Um, didn't didn't record a turnover, which is something that they really need to probably get a little bit more in their favor. It's something they need to work on. It, it, just everything across the board caught me off guard. The, the, the penalties, the face mask penalty on Billy Bowman uh, late in the game. I know one play doesn't lose a football game for you, but I, that that didn't help uh, because they were really trying to fight their way back. And then, of course, the 55-yard run by Adrian Martinez uh, on third and – was a third and sixteen. Yeah. Uh, he ran for 55. And, uh, you know, Ted Roof, after the game, said that there was an issue with uh, a spy, that you were supposed to have a spy on him. And, and the spy, I guess, just didn't make the play. So I think when you bring all that up, you just really think of all the issues that are going on with that, that Oklahoma defense. And it's been a topic of, of conversation this week as they prepare for TCU.
1: Yeah. I guess the way you would probably describe the whole performance and just about everything you laid out was uncharacteristic those first few weeks we saw that. I, I think it really started up front, and, and Ted Roof sort of said the same. They lost the physical battle, and that was a, a you know, front seven at the first few weeks. it just lived in opposing backfields. They were getting sacks, getting tackles for loss, and none of that was there, and it seemed like without that, everything else kind of slid with it, um, and the penalties were, were not really, you know, what they'd been about the first few weeks. The lack of tackling and execution uh, felt like the opposite of what they had been, and it all kind of showed and, and showed in the big moments. I mean, that Adrian Martinez play, it, it seemed like it came down to that spot, that one error. But man, I mean, that, if that wasn't indicative of the performance, um, you know, I don't know what, what was. And now I think this week is, is really a defining week for the defense because either they're going to revert back to some form of, of what we saw in those first few weeks, or we're going to see that, you know, maybe that was early promise. But now that they're going up against these more talented, more experienced maybe more complex offenses that that success isn't going to be there so I think this is a really big important week for the defense as they kind of get back on track or attempt to at least
0: you know when we look at the defense too I know there's a lot of Oklahoma fans that saw this touchdown saw the yards allowed saw the the big plays on third downs allowed third down conversions they think oh here we go again new coach new system same result and I know that happens uh But, you know, this is something that we knew that this wasn't going to be a seamless transition. There were going to be some growing pains. And I think we really, really saw the growing pains out there. And for Oklahoma's players, it's one of those things where, you know, they they talk about being bought into this system. Well, what happens when adversity strikes? It's one thing to have adversity and giving up an early touchdown, but it's another to, to have a loss. So how do they react to this? I think that's the big thing, and you're right. TCU's offense is amazing. They got a, one of the best offenses in the in the country. Score a lot of points, put a lot of yards on the on the on the board. I, Max Dugan's really playing really well this week. So it's going to be one of those things where there's not that much time to really lick your wounds because you have another battle on Saturday.
1: Yeah, watching kind of what I have of TCU, they they seem to have a lot of those dynamic playmakers. They have a quarterback who's who's doing it right now. So not going to be a lot of time to, you know, pick the pieces up. But I will say it's interesting. You talk about responding to adversity. And I think, especially on the defensive end, hearing what we've heard this week from Reggie Grimes and Deshaun White and Ethan Downs about how this year is a little bit different. Um, New coaching staff and the way they handle a loss. I think, you know, this is, I'm not quoting him word for word, but Reggie Grimes was talking about how in the past it would have been a real focus on what went wrong and, you guys did the X wrong. And I mean, he used the words derogatory and demeaning. I don't think he meant it that, that charge, but you know, that was how he said it was in the past. And now it's according to him, been more about, you know, taking the good from the bad, identifying the issues and and building from there. And and Deshaun White mentioned, and I found this maybe most interesting uh, was him saying that, you know, this year rather than position group only uh, film study, they're doing it as a defense together. And that after a loss, getting to watch I'm sure I would love to sit in on one of those sessions after a loss like this that, that them being together in that room you know defensive line linebackers into the secondary all together uh, he seemed to think that was a, a positive in terms of how to build from this so they're certainly going back to to the drawing board this week and, and we're going to see just what they can come up with when, when we're in Fort Worth.
0: Oklahoma's 10-1 and one since uh, TCU joined the Big 12 in 2012. The only loss was in 2014, 37-33. Eli, it was a famous, uh, the famous Katy Perry game. I don't know if you're familiar with the story. Enlighten me. Enlighten <laughs> yeah. me. Come on. Katy Perry was the, the guest ESPN's guest picker at Ole Miss. Uh, she picked OU to beat TCU that day. She had a cutout picture of Trevor Knight and said, Trevor Knight, call me. <laughs> She was flirting with Trevor Knight. Trevor Knight didn't call her, of course. And then OU loses. And OU would, I think they would finish eight and four that season. So in the regular season, they win one, lose one, win one, lose one. It was, it, they started four and zero nationally ranked. And the Katy Perry game sent them spiraling to the end of the 2014 season. Really, it's what brought Lincoln Riley to campus because they let offensive coordinators uh, Jane Orville and Josh Hype go after that season. So uh TCU that's a little bit of the history lesson the TCU OU series only one win over the Sooners in Big 12 play that was in 14 um offensively you know Dylan Gabriel you look at his numbers what he was able to do I know he missed some passes he missed some passes at key times but still you know like Brent Venable said I don't think OU's in this game if not for Dylan Gabriel and I don't think they have a chance to win how do you build off that
1: yeah, I mean, talked to him last night. You know, he's and it kind of matched his tone post game, where he took that as hard as anybody, and still is, and was pretty hard on himself. But you look at the stat line. If I told you pregame that that he'd thrown for 330 yards, four touchdowns, and the offense put up 550 yards, I think most everybody in that stadium would have taken that and thought you had a Sooners win. And it just he was he was good, and I think he actually the stats only reflect it so much with 61 rushing yards. I think he was really effective with his feet and maybe some of the best movement for that offense outside of the big plays got made when Dylan Gabriel was running and when he was a running threat. So it was another, I mean, he's been so steady for them so far. I mean, something like 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's moving this offense. I mean, it it still feels like they've got a a bit of that parking brake on, but I don't know if if that's a Dylan Gabriel issue. Uh, But then you look at the fact, you you see four touchdowns and you wonder if he could have had five, six, seven, with, with just a couple more, a little more precision, a little bit better execution. Um, and so I, I think Brent Venables is right, though, when he says they, they wouldn't have been in this game without him. But now the question is, Eric, you know, where, where do they go from here? Where does he improve from here? How does this offense, um, which has, again, you know, they put up the points here, but I think you could look at that performance, whether it's the pre-snap penalties, the third down uh, struggles, the slow starts and say they're they're still not there yet. What do they need to do to – to get to that next level.
0: You know, you mentioned the pre-snap penalties. It's really shooting themselves in the foot. And we were in the press box Saturday night, and we kept mentioning that. They just can't get out of their own way. Uh, You know, the the pre-snap penalties were huge. The holding call... There was a holding call on Chris Murray that was huge. Even on fourth down when you're going for it and you get a five-yard penalty, it takes you out of rhythm totally. But I really think for Oklahoma, what they need to do is find a way to come out of the locker room strong. Uh, they've trailed in three of the first four games this season. Uh, the only game they didn't trail in was the UTEP game. Since then, they lost you know, down 3-0 to Kent State, 7-0 to Nebraska, and 14-0 to um Kansas State, you know, and that's something that we talk to the coaches about and talk to the players about. They need to find a way offensively to come out of the locker room and and put points on the board, put pressure on the opponent. Uh, Kansas State, once they got that 14-0 lead, it really dictated what Jeff Levy could really call and feel comfortable calling uh, as an offensive coordinator. And and I think that was huge. Uh, and Levy's even mentioned that. Levy, after game one, you could tell Levy didn't even like punting the football, let alone going scoreless in the first quarter to start games. So I think it's something that's really going to be a point of emphasis, not only this week, but moving forward. So I think that's the big key, just find a way to um, – to get points on the board early, put pressure on the opponent. And, you know, in going back to Dylan Gabriel, he, 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 you look at the, you know, I wrote this too. If you're a quarterback, you get too much credit when things are going good, you get too much criticism when things are going bad. And there's no middle ground. Yep. And, and he is this toughest self-critic. He criticizes himself. He wants to be perfect. and No one's perfect, but he he did put the team in position to win. If you're an Oklahoma fan, you, you'd love to have some of those throws back, and he would want some of those throws back. He even mentioned it, too. Uh, Jeff Levy said he wanted some plays back. He'd love some calls back, so I think this was a big, uh, learn, a big test. It, it's going to be a big challenge. We'll see how they react. I'm really curious how they react. Dylan Gabriel's only lost back-to-back games once in his college career, so we'll see what happens this week week um we, we look for more bright spots on the offense and it, it, it seems like every week you we're talking about the same player eric gray has really really playing well he's really playing like a captain's playing almost like you know you hate to really put this on him early but maybe an all big 12 candidate at running back just with this con- consistency with what he's been able to do
1: yeah he's running like the running back everyone projected him to be this year i mean he's been over 100 yards in three of the four games and and his probably two best rushing outings the last two weeks have coincided with this rushing attack kind of getting off the ground. I mean, two straight weeks to 200 plus yards. It's kind of what we expected with the Jeff Levy offense was that they would run the ball well. And it's all been him. I mean, he's been really impressive. And he again, coming out of halftime last week, they were still slow. But the success they had was when they gave the ball to Eric Gray. And he's he's giving them that dimension. I think the passing game, we know they're going to be able to make big plays. I think they could probably get more consistent there. Uh, but but I think that second dimension of the offense with Eric Gray and what he can produce and has produced uh, has to be from a, a tough night, a night a lot of Sooner fans would probably say they, they'd like to forget he was another bright spot uh, for another for another week. And with just with Jeff Levy and, and talking about the slow starts again, you know, talked about it for four weeks now, and they keep saying, well, we're going to, this week we're going to really lock in and, and focus on that. And it hasn't quite happened. Um, but Jeff Levy this week talked about, putting in some more quote-unquote layup plays. Uh, See what he means by that. I would say as much as we've been focused on it each week, because each week they have started slow, keep an eye on how they open this week and what they do. What are some of those layup plays? Do they maybe dig into, I don't know about, I don't know if you'll see Braden Willis throwing any passes, but if if they just get creative or find some plays to get their playmakers involved, because they really haven't early on and it's biting them, uh, especially for a team that I think now ranks 130th out of 131 teams in time of possession. So when they're not moving, they're really not moving. They're running a three plays and getting off the field. And that certainly burned them with Kansas State. But Eric, we're I think this this past weekend was maybe an introduction into the Big 12 as we know it, at least in 2022. <laughs> it's such a top-to-bottom league. It's a league where I think you're gonna see, you know, would it stun you, for example, to see K-State go wherever they're going this week and revert to the team that lost to Tulane and and OU to go to TCU. And I I just think that's the conference we're going to see this year is is one week to the next, just everything changing.
0: You know, it's funny. We were in the press box before the game. This was, of course, before OUK State. And we asked, who's the number 10 team in the Big 12? Who's the last place team? I don't know if you can pick the last place team. You know, we went with West Virginia, but they just beat Virginia Tech too. Played Pittsburgh strong. I mean, West Virginia is not a bad team. You can't go Kansas. What about the Jayhawks? Four and zero. Man, Uh, I'm I'm just hoping they win two more and go to a bowl game. It's been forever since they've been to a bowl game. You got to be happy for those Jayhawk fans that have lived in misery for years for what they're doing. Sellout stadium. And then, but then you look at across the board some teams that you think were struggling. Iowa State lost to Baylor, but Iowa State beat Iowa. Iowa, you know, that was a big win for the Cyclones. I mean, there's no layups. We talk layups. We're talking with Jeff Levy. There's no layups in this league. There's no team that goes in there and say, "Oh, uh, you can get a win there." Because I just, I just don't think Oklahoma. It it, is not like years past. You're not head and shoulders above the competition. Uh, Texas Tech beating Texas. How about that one too? I mean. OU and, uh, you know, there's a chance OU uh, in Texas, when that game comes around, the records, I mean, you hate to say 500 teams, but you never know what's going to happen. So, um, no, but this Big 12, it's going to be fun to cover. I just have no clue who's going to play in that championship game. And I know we're still in week one. Things are going to sell itself out. But it's really interesting to see the parody of the league.
1: Yeah, I think you would have looked, at least in the last few years, at at some gimmies, quote unquote, on the schedule. Kansas would have been one of them. I think uh, a trip to Lubbock is no longer as as cushy looking as it might have in years past. West Virginia, I, I after week one, I you know I think we all looked at Neil Brown as maybe the next coach um, out of the conference, and and now they look at the very least you know competent and sturdy, and so you run it down, and, and there's just not there's not that gimme week on the schedule, and that's the case for every Big Twelve team. And so I think if you look at the conference contenders and shoot that list, might be six or seventeen teams long, but even the preseason contenders, OSU, Baylor, OU, K-State is a dark horse. They're not going to have a, a nice, soft run at any point. And we're going to see, I think, some of those teams get handed losses you wouldn't have expected preseason. Uh, and it, to your point, it's going to make for some really fun football, but probably some frustrating football for some of these fan bases as well, When uh, when, when a Kansas team doesn't look like what Kansas is supposed to look like.
0: As we prepare for an 11 o'clock kickoff, Eli, I don't know what we did, but another 11 o'clock game, I'll take it. Uh, 11 Amazing. O'clock, 11 o'clock the week after, too. OU Texas, it was announced at 11 o'clock, so a lot of morning kickoffs. But uh, kind of let's kind of think about, just kind of predict what's going to happen. I, I think I'll go first. I think Oklahoma will win. I think it will be a close game. I think it will be 35-31. Uh, I think Oklahoma finds a way to win this game. But nothing's going to come easy. And I'll be saying that all year. Nothing's going to come easy. I mean, if you're Brent Venables, you're happy with the one-point win. I think the point spread last I saw was four and a half for Oklahoma. So uh, Vegas thinks it's going to be close. Um, your thoughts, what, what's this game going to turn out like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I don't think this is the week that we see them just totally bounce back and it's, you know, Mm. 41-0. The defense, you know, shows out again. I think it's going to be tight. I think this past week we saw one score game that that OU came out on the wrong side of. I would back them to maybe play a close game and and take it this time. Uh, I'm really, really curious about the defense. I just think for all that we saw those first three weeks, it got so quickly exposed. Um, in in their first kind of shot against what, what proved to be a real serious offense. Uh, so big week for them, but I don't think they're going to come out and, and hold TCU to 10 points. But this TCU defense has, at least last week with SMU, they proved themselves to be a bit vulnerable. I think this could be the week for Dylan Gabriel, Jeff Levy, and this offense to really break out. And they, they certainly could use it. Um, and I, that, that would, to me, be, be the difference maker for them.
0: All right. Well, uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. We'll be seeing what happened at TCU and looking forward to Texas. It's hard to believe Texas week is almost here, uh, but you can't overlook TCU first. So uh, thanks everyone for, yeah. Go, thanks everyone. Well, for,
1: appreciate. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I got to get, well, look, we're on a football and I'm really not past the Trevor Knight thing. Like how he never called Katy Perry. <laughs> I, I haven't gotten past that. If I've seen it's because of that, but it is uh, crucial to point out tomorrow, uh, some of us will be, in front of Porter Moser, getting our first look at, um, in, at least in the fall of, of OU men's basketball. And it's kind of hard to believe. We're talking about Texas week coming fast. Basketball season is, is upon us as well. So we will get, um, I, I think people are most excited to hear from some of the new faces. There's a lot of them. Joe Bamisil and Grant Shurfield. Uh, among them, that the new backcourt. But we'll get our first look at, at OU men's basketball tomorrow. Uh, had to get that in there before we jumped off. Uh, I'm, I'm glad
0: you did. I, I was gonna skim over that and I want to see if Porter Mosier has he shaved?
1: Is he that's the clean, big thing. Mean, Eric, do you want to make a Mosier. bet? Do you want to make what kind of bet can we make? Is he shaved or not?
0: I think he's shaved. I think it's basketball. It's <laughs> time to get to work. His, his days have, uh, but I tell you, I, I'd love if he kept the beard. I mean, I, I'd vote for him to keep the beard. So I think uh, <laughs> a, a shaved Porter Mosier, I mean, it's it's been pretty glorious, though. It's been a just <laughs> <laughs> seeing Porter be Porter. Porter's turning into an Oklahoman. That's for sure. So,
1: And uh, and it's it's certainly a big year, too, for him. I mean, it, it's kind of it, – I think based on the way he came in, kind of tail end of, of a COVID season and all that, it's felt like a lot longer. But this is this is year two, and it's a big one for them, I think. And, and a, shoot, we're talking about how competitive the Big 12 is in football. We know what it will be like in basketball. But I think with, with the guys they have, this is a, a year to at least – aspire to, to make that that first NCAA tournament under him and, and uh, we'll see how they get started
0: perfect all right well Eli thanks again for, and thanks again for bringing up basketball and thanks to everyone out there for uh, listening to our podcast of course you can read all our content at TulsaWorld.com uh, podcast Apple Spotify Google wherever you get your platform whatever platform you use excuse me to get your podcast and
1: we'll talk to you next week we'll talk OU Texas football next week